God communicating with us. Prayer is communication. John 16. Would you turn there with me this morning? We've built up into this point the last three weeks of how to pray, how to pray, and then how to pray and fast. And today begins 21 days of prayer at Conduit. Um, hopefully you um, had an opportunity on your way in to receive uh, 21 days of prayer devotional book, whether for yourself or your child that Conduit has uh, written. Pastor Cameron is going to come up at the end and talk a little more extensively about that, uh, but if you did not get one on the way in, we want to make sure that you get one on the way out. Also, um, there's plenty of opportunities to gather, um, to pray as a church, uh, where the building will be open both at 7 in the morning and at 7 at night on a lot of days during these 21 days of prayer. As well as if you didn't grab a book or maybe somebody that doesn't live here um, that wants to follow along and that just needs a good restart to their life or they want to uh, just try to develop the habit of prayer and reading their Bible or doing uh, spending time every day with God, um, you can just send them to 21 days of prayer at conduit.com um, and they can follow along both adults and kids. Both of those devotional books are on that website as well. I um, hope that you um, will come and pray with us um, on a lot of these mornings and evenings. Um, during the 21 days of prayer, but our desire today as we start this 21 days in these next, you know, both today and the next two Sundays, our focus is going to be on communication, prayer is communication, um, prayer is connection, um, and prayer is communion. But today, uh, being communication, I simply wanted to outline um, what communication is, and not just prayer uh, us talking to God, but how does God talk to us? What does God communicate to us? How do we hear God's voice? If he's the shepherd and we're the sheep, how do we hear what the shepherd says to us? And this may be a touchy subject or maybe even a difficult subject for you because maybe you've been, uh, maybe you're newly following Jesus, maybe you still have questions, and maybe today's the day where you uh, become saved, you, you choose to follow Christ, um, or maybe you're here and you've been following Christ for a really long time, and maybe you're one of those people that, um, as I've questioned many times, even as a pastor, like, God, I don't hear you. And I hear all this talk about God speaking to people. How come, like, can I say this out loud? Like, God, like, how come um, you're not talking to me? Um, today's for you. So communication is not just one way. Communication is two ways. In fact, communication is defined like this. Communication is the act of conveying meanings from one entity or group to another through the use of mutual understood signs and symbols. <laughs> this is really funny when you start thinking about uh, uh, the signs and symbols and body language that we use uh, to communicate with one another, even uh, when we're angry or we're driving in the car and road rage hits. Um, when you're communicating symbols from one driver to the other. Um, communication happens, whether you're using fingers or fists or body language or uh, the posture of your face or the posture of your body or simply leaning in or simply squinting your eyes as if you're trying to pay attention or simply not listening at all, spacing out 
beyond the person that's talking to something else. Communication is more than just about the ears. Communication is about the body language. Communication is about truly, truly listening. Now, communication with God is not just us praying to him. So if I was going to pray to God, it's not just lifting up my thoughts, lifting up my praise, lifting up repenting of my sins, not just lifting up my requests, making them known, not just thanking God, not just praying in Jesus' name, not just lifting that up. There needs to be those times of silence where I'm hearing God's voice. What does that silence look like? And I want to I challenge you today, Conduit. I want to challenge you that if you're like me and that silence is deafening and maybe perhaps that silence has allowed you to come to the cl- conclusion that God does not speak to you, that his Holy Spirit residing in you as a believer in Jesus Christ as your Savior, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that you would believe that he's not speaking to you, I want to challenge that today. That you may not ever hear God's audible voice, but please don't, please don't limit God to talking to you with this piece of flesh hanging off your head. Because God made the entire everything. And God is infinite, and we are finite. We are given 75 maybe 100 or maybe 30 years to live. God is eternal. God is not limited to say, oh, I need to speak audibly so that they can hear me. God uses every way, shape, and form to speak. Primarily through his word and ultimately affirmed by his word. But communication is, again, the act of conveying meanings from one entity or group to another through the use of mutually understood signs and symbols. I do and have done quite a bit of counseling. I have a master's degree in biblical counseling. So over the years, uh, counseling is an interesting animal. Uh, As you sit at times as a mediator between, uh, a lot of times between a couple people. Uh, Specifically marriage. when you sit down with a married couple, or uh, specifically this year, I think there's five weddings that I'm doing, five uh, couples that are preparing to be married. <laughs> Those are the best, because they're just so in love. <laughs> and like, they're just so like, drowning in love for one another. They have no idea what is about to hit them. And, and, and the, the reality of all married people understand that if you were to say, and this is always a funny question to ask, what is the number one issue and number one problem in a marriage? Whoa, that was a quick answer. Like y'all were like firing them back. Ultimately, like a lot of people say it's finances or uh, maybe sex or something related to that. But ultimately... The number one problem or the number one issue is this. It's, it's communication. It's this basic understanding of communicating and conveying meanings from one entity or group to another through the use of mutual understood signs and symbols. You see, something happens over time, not just in your marriage. 
Something happens over time in your friendships, in your coworkers, in your neighbors, that you begin to revert back from what you used, how you used to communicate so well. And you used to use use shortcuts. It's lazy. And you assume what the other person is communicating, and they assume what you're communicating, and a lot of times communication ceases. And it's almost like grabbing a toy off the shelf at a toy store where it's like one of those toys where it has like six options where you can press a button, and it's got like six options where it can tell you what it's going to say. And it says essentially six things. When you get to that part, with your spouse or your neighbor or your friend or your brother or your parent or whatever that person, like you've assumed that they only say these five or six things. They can say nothing else. And so we don't hear them. Communication is blocked. Back to prayer. Prayer is simply communication with God. God communicating with us as well. How do we hear God's voice um, it's like this. Let me, let me create this analogy, and then we'll dive into John 16. Uh, if, if I were to, in regards to communication, in regards to the idea of prayer, if I was to say to my, my son, uh, my oldest son who's 12, if I was to say, hey, bud, hey, um, like sometimes in my family we'll have these uh, daddy dates or mommy dates, and as my kid, my, especially my boys, as they're getting older, uh, we had a a daddy date this past Friday. We went and saw um, a movie, and I'm noticing that, like, we got to change the name of this. Like, they're coming to the age where it's like, you boys want to go on a daddy date? And they're like, <laughs> we got to find a different name. But nonetheless, if I just said to him, I said, hey, bro, get in the car. Just, just time for me and you. Just me and you. Get in the car. And we begin to drive, right? And we're just driving. And we're driving. It's not even a nice day. It's not even spring. It's February, right? It's gloomy for like the hundredth day in a row. You haven't seen the sun. You don't even, your body would even like have some allergic reaction if the sun, sun hits you. It's that, like that kind of day. But you're driving in the car and your son keeps asking you over and over, where are we going, dad? Why are you turning this way? Why are you going this way? Where exactly are you taking us? And it gets to be to this point where ultimately at one moment I would almost like be frustrated because I'm not going anywhere. I just, I just want to be with you. I just want to spend time with you. Intimacy. I just want to hear you. I just want you to hear me. Recently, in these last few weeks, we've been challenging you to be ready at this 21 days of prayer that you, you would challenge yourself to fast and pray. Um, and how many of you, just by raising hands, have you ever, how many of you ever fasted um, and prayed before, um, whether it was a meal or a day or several days? Good. Um, hopefully, if, that is, if, if you've done that before, hopefully this would be a period of time where you can do that. If you've never tried that, I would encourage you to try that. If you're not sure what that means or how to do that, uh, go on our app or our website. You can listen to uh, specifically Pastor Cameron's message last week was dynamite, kind of diving into what that meant and whatnot. But uh, 
I recently was studying actually for this message, uh, and I was looking through my Bible, and I found uh, on the side of my Bible some notes, um, and I had dated the, the time and the notes that I had taken, and it was the year 2011, and it was a period of time where I had I wrote down, I don't necessarily remember this fully, but I remember that season of, of what I was going through, and it described how I had been fasting for four days. And how I, um, during those, that four-day fast of not eating and seeking the Lord in prayer and trying to, I, I can remember specifically what I was seeking him about. It was a huge change in my life and a huge change in my family's life as we were uprooting our entire life here to go plant a church in Phoenix, Arizona. Everything was changed. Like I needed God. I needed him desperately. I needed his voice. I needed him to talk to me. I needed to talk to him. I had like all these concerns and fears and anxieties and insecurities about what was ahead and what we needed and all these things. Then I remember what I wrote down is like, God, I don't hear you. There's nothing like revelatory or amazing or uh, like life changing that happened during this period of time. And I could tell like it just took me back. Like I was almost frustrated. And maybe if you've prayed and fasted, you've been there. You're like, wait, like I was praying about this thing and I didn't get clarity. I was praying through this thing and I didn't get the healing I wanted. Like I prayed for this person and that didn't work out. Or I prayed that this person who had this sickness who was on their death, I prayed and fasted that they'd be healed and they died. There was no answer. There's this desperate, like empty moment. And I kind of feel like, I felt like in that moment, looking back at that, I felt like that was God saying, listen, I just wanted to be with you. I just wanted to drive. I just wanted you to talk to me. I just wanted to communicate to you. I just wanted to be around you. I just wanted to desperately spend time with you. And that's the essence of prayer when it comes to communication. It's not just us offering stuff and like waiting for FedEx boxes to drop from heaven on our door. It's intimacy with God. It's communication with God. It's hearing God. Here's my bottom line today. As if I'm speaking to you not you know, speaking to you in regards to your relationship with God. You want to know the most intimate thing you and God can say to each other? Do you want to know the most intimate thing that you and God can say to each other? It's this. I hear you. You want to you want to make you want to peer you want to peak God's attention. You want to have him lean in to your life and what's going on. Lean in in this moment and say, "God, I'm hearing you." I don't know what you're saying yet, but I'm leaning in. My ears are open. My heart is raw. I'm hearing you. He that has ears to hear, let him listen.
over and over throughout Scripture, specifically in Revelation and these letters to the churches. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the desire, the heart cry of intimacy from the Father to you. But I also need you to know that God is saying that in an intimate way to you. He says, I hear you. He has made, he has sent his son, Jesus, to create access, to open up the heavens, to conduit from heaven to earth, from sinful man to a holy God through Jesus Christ so that he can hear you and hear your prayer. John 16. John 16, this is uh, such a powerful passage. In John 16 and John 17, uh, the context here, this is heading towards the end of Jesus' life on earth. This is headed towards the end of um, his final instructions to his disciples, the junior varsity teenage boys, uh, that are about ready to flip the world upside down with the gospel that changes it all. Amen? And here we are, and he says in regards to all that, have you ever like, you've been talking to someone that you're like just so close with. Like you have so much to say, but you know that like you only have a little bit of time, and you say something like, ah, I have so much to say, or like you're like in a busy place, and like you want to talk to them forever, but like, I gotta go, but I can talk to you forever. This is that moment for he says, in verse 12, he says, I still have so many things to say to you, his disciples. He's, to start, he's, starting, he's starting to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. He's starting to describe the work of the Spirit of Christ, which is about to be sent down, that comes later in Acts. He says, I still have so many things to say to you. You cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So that right there, right out of the gate, that is the main purpose of the Holy Spirit, is to guide us in truth. He's coming to guide us in truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. That's the Son, the Son of God, Jesus for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father, Father God, has in mine, has, is mine. Therefore I said that he will take that, what is mine, and declare it to you. This context of communication, Jesus says, like, there is only a short amount of time that I'm going to be here with you, talking with you, Sharing my heart, you sharing your heart, but I am going to die. I'm going to the cross. I'm come, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. I have come to be a sacrifice, a once-for-all sacrifice for the sins of the world. I've come for a purpose. But as far as my relationship with you, disciples, my friends, like I have so much to say. But I have something that's better if it's, it's better than me. My spirit is going to be sent. 
and he will guide you in truth. And he will give you power on high. And he will give you what you need to be able to go and spread the gospel and live in power to the othermost parts of the earth. There's this beautiful description of communication between Jesus and his disciples that ultimately the most intimate thing that God can say to his disciples in that moment is not only did I hear you, but I want you to hear me. Listen, conduit. God is making and has made a way for you to hear him. I know this world is loud and noisy and there's lots of distraction. Even in a church, there's lots of things to get distracted on. There's lots of things to get our focus on. There's lots of things to be caught up in. But ultimately, God is desiring for you to hear him. I want to outline this morning just briefly a few things, a few ways that God, specifically the Holy Spirit, speaks to us. If you're taking notes, they should be on the screen. How does the Holy Spirit speak? I want to bust through these pretty briefly because I want this to be practical, but this isn't necessarily, I think it's important, but it's not necessarily the point of the talk this morning. Um, but I think it's important to note that there is some different ways that God speaks to us specifically how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. God's primary way of speaking to us, number one, is his word. This is primarily how God speaks to us. And if God is ever speaking to us in any other way, these other ways that I'm going to share, it needs to be backed up and affirmed by his word. His inerrant, his inspired word of God that is you want to talk about one of the most supernatural things that has ever happened in the history of mankind? It's how this book has been preserved. Uh, I know people love like supernatural flashy lights and like people being healed and all that stuff. But you want to get really like goosebumps? Look into the history of how the Bible has been preserved. It'll blow your mind. It's one, I think, one of the main uh, proven facts of how God exists is how he's preserved his word. And so it's a holy book. It is the holy book. It's God's word, God breathed, inspired to us. All 66 books, Old Testament and New Testament. Um, people think like, oh, okay, New Testament, Jesus kind of like, do we even need the Old Testament? Yeah, dude, like context you have to understand the context of the New Testament. Yes, it's the big picture of what God is ultimately doing and how he's ultimately setting us free. And the second thing, the second way God speaks to us is through our mind's eye. Our mind's eye. And as mystical as this may sound, I think that if you're a follower of Jesus and you've received him as your Savior, you've been saved, you've asked him by faith to come into your life and to save you, I think that, and you've understood his word and you understood how he speaks through his word, I think that there are times where he puts in your mind or in your mind's eyes ways and things that he's telling you. You're driving down the road, you didn't see it in the sky, but he's speaking to you. You're sitting here right now, you're staring at this guy, but you're not seeing what he's maybe telling you something that he's telling you something. That's your mind's eye. That's how the Holy Spirit speaks at times. Next thing, sometimes he speaks through a feeling or a leading. 
I know at times there uh, are moments where we, in churches, they make too much of our feelings. But I, I don't think we completely erase the importance of our feeling or our leading. I think that, that when you base things on his word and you base things and you're following Jesus and you're obeying what his word has outlined and you're following the, the, the teachings of what, how Jesus asks us to live, you can have an idea through a feeling and a leading in your heart of how God has asked you to the place that God has asked you to go or specifically what he's asked you to do. You're, you're trying to choose a job, job A or B. It's not going to be in Hezekiah 4.3 or Maverick 9.6. Neither one of those are books of the Bible, by the way. Some of y'all are flipping around and you're like, I can't find Maverick. <laughs> it's, it's nowhere in here. Uh, how are we going to figure this out? How are we going to know which job to take? Is it Florida or California? Is it New York or Wisconsin? Well, always Florida, right? Especially this time of year. What choice do we make? This is one of the ways that God speaks to us. Maybe not audibly, but I just have this feeling. I just have this leading that this is what he's, he's telling me to do. Now, this is where you got to be real careful. Because I've seen over the years people say, ah, I, God's just leading me to do this. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm like, well, I don't know, bro. Like, that's... Like, that's sin, man. I don't know about that. Like, I, I feel like you should probably be faithful to what God's asked you to do first. Or like, man, that's breaking the Ten Commandments, bro. I don't, you shouldn't hurt that person. Like, even though you feel that way, like, I'm not saying go with your feelings. It's not what I'm saying. But specifically, there are times where the Holy Spirit speaks through our feeling or leading. And then the last thing I think, and again, these aren't all the ways, but I think these are kind of the main ways um, the last one, I put others, other people, um, sometimes pastors, um, except for when you have a pastor that um, encourages you to call me Pastor Eric, don't, don't, don't um, listen to guys like that. Um, don't ever uh, listen to those kind of pastors. Uh, just kidding. Um, pastors or parents or leaders, the gospel community, the people that are following Christ themselves, or even people that, I'm not saying they have to have all their life together, I'm not saying any of that, but maybe there's something that they see in scripture, and something that they see in your life that's a blind spot, or maybe something that you don't see, or something around the corner, or honestly, maybe it's just life experience. Maybe it's somebody that's like older, or perhaps older, maybe it's somebody that's younger, and they're trying to breathe more passion and heart of what life is really about. Or maybe it's somebody that's young and you're like, you need to open your ears to somebody that's older. And God's speaking through them to like just take a breath and be patient and mature in your faith and trust God in this time. I think God speaks through all of these different ways and obviously a few other ways. But those are some general ideas of how God speaks there are two things um, I want to outline that clog our ears for hearing God. Two things, and I don't think it's limited again to two things, but there are two things that clog our ears from hearing God. Actually, before I get to that one, um, you, don't, you can turn there if you want, or it's one verse, you can, or two verses, you can see it on the screen. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 1. 
And two, it says this. It's powerful. Got your ears on? You ready? Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that that it cannot hear. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. Verse 2, but your iniquities or your sin have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Verse 1 starts with the good news, right? It's exciting to read that. And verse 2 kind of opens our eyes like, oh man, wait a minute. Maybe God isn't hearing my prayers. There's something to be said here. And you're like, hold on, this is Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Two things that clog our ears from hearing God, or in this context, that clogs God's ears from hearing our prayers. Number one is unbelief. 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 This morning, you may be here, and you need to know, just bluntly, you need to know that the Bible teaches that challenges us, invites us. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you believe in what he's done on the cross, you will be saved. It's that simple. And by faith, you are saved. It's your trust in what he's done on the cross that saves you. The sins that we've committed, the sins that we've inherited from Adam, it's all on our shoulders. It's all something we pay for. Until by faith we receive what Jesus did for us. When we receive what Jesus did for us, we are clothed in his righteousness. We are covered with his holy coat, so to speak, and God sees us as holy. We are made righteous before God. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for you. If you've believed in Christ, if you've trusted in Christ, if you've been saved, if you've, I did this when I was six years old. When I was six years old, yeah, it was young, but I had this basic understanding that like that cross meant that Jesus knows me, made me, died for me, paid the price for me, like took all the spankings that all of my life's sins deserved. All the wages of my sin that equaled death. He took that. And by my faith, my prayer, my trust, at that moment, beginning in a, in a, in a little Baptist church in Roxana, Illinois, at the end of a vacation Bible school week, when I asked Jesus into my heart, I feel like I know that there were fireworks in heaven 
I feel like I know there was in my heart. And I was so excited because I knew in that moment, because of my belief, my trust, my belief in Jesus, it saved me. It saved me. And maybe you're here today. And you need to know that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Basic, I know. But if you've not taken that step, it be that day. Let this moment be that moment. To say, God, you know what? I recognize that I'm a sinner. And I believe in what you did for me. And I'm all in. I want to follow you. You begin that relationship with God. He doesn't see your sin. His ears are unclogged. He begins that relationship. He sees the righteousness of his son Jesus covering you. And you are actually fellow heirs with Christ. It's beautiful. Even you as a believer, if you've made that decision to follow Christ, you're a believer. And you, you've been following Jesus, and you have knowing, if you have knowledgeable sin, uh, deliberate sin in your life, doesn't make you unsaved. You can't lose something you didn't earn. But as 1 John 1 9 talks about, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we sin deliberately and we know better, that breaks. It breaks our fellowship with God. And it's important for us to confess that to God because he is ready and willing and able and excited to hear you and hear your prayer. Let that be a sign of belief for you this morning. As you believe God, you believe his word and what that means for him to hear your prayer and for you to hear his voice. I kind of covered that second one, sin. Sin is that those decisions that we make, even as believers, that violate God's law, that, that stiff-arm God and stiff-arm the Holy Spirit's power and leading in our life. And I think that there's, there's this opportunity for us to flee from sin and run to God. Because when we flee sin, we're immediately running to God. But when we run to sin, we're immediately running from God because God is holy. Especially when we understand the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells inside of us. We are made a new creation. As followers of Jesus, we have to be set free from the willingness to sin so easily from the deliberate disobedience as sons and daughters of the king. I know it's a sobering reality, but I know for me, I want God, I want God to hear my prayers. I want God to bless my life. Listen, he's not going to bless your life based on how many times you sin or don't sin. God has chosen to bless your life through the sacrifice and the righteousness of his son Jesus. So you claiming that, you owning that, you believing in that, you being covered in that, opens up 
It unclogs the conduit from a holy God to a sinful man. And if you're a new creation in Christ, He sees you as righteous. He sees you as holy. He wants to bless you. He wants to anoint you. He wants to set you free as a son or as a daughter. He wants to hear your prayer. He wants to communicate. He wants to be with you. He ultimately wants to communicate the most intimate thing He could ever say to you, which is, I hear you. And He wants you to communicate the most intimate thing to Him, which is, I hear you hear you have you said this to your kids before like i know your kids i know our kids like i know they hear us but are they listening so there's times that we like snap we clap or we stomp or we i don't know maybe yell i don't know maybe throw something against the wall i don't know i don't know what kind of parent you are but um, hopefully you don't do that last part but whatever you do to get your kids attention or their chin like you get them to look at look at me i want you to see me because sometimes that helps And so there's these moments as followers of Jesus where God gets our attention in that way. Sometimes it's a clap. Sometimes it's a snap. Sometimes it's a gentle grabbing of the chin and saying, bro, listen, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I need to tell you this. And sometimes it's a grabbing of the chin like, listen, listen, listen. Mabel. (laughs) Get that out of your mouth. (laughs) As you chase her around the house. Or, or, hey, that will electrocute you. <laughs> Don't, that will hurt you. That is God's, that is God's same, at times, if, if you're honest, as the sheep, right, as we are the sheep, that is God's honest communication with us. If we're, on, if we're, if we're frank, right, like, it's, this is not, this is not the normal communication, like, Look at me, son, you're an amazing accountant. You're so good at this. Or, like, you're such a good driver. Like, that's not the normal communication. I think at times God's main community, if, like, he could just grab our chin and be like, look at me, I think he'd be like, bro, you're going to electrocute yourself. You're going to harm yourself. You have no idea that those thoughts and those patterns and those habits, and those friends, and those practices, and the things you put in your mind, and the things that you think are important, those are going to kill you. And if they don't kill you, they're going to waste your time and your life. And they're going to weigh you down, and they're going to press you down. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Stop, just look at me. You're going to get hurt. God is not walking around with a paddle ready to just stomp you. He's wanting to protect you. He's wanting to set you free. He can't wait to take the chains off of what you've already been set free from. Sin. We're set free. Because of Christ, he set us free. We're fellow heirs. It's as if you can imagine walking, just imagine with me for a moment, we're walking into the throne room of God. And in walks Jesus. And he walks down the aisle to the throne room of Almighty Father God. And we start to walk right beside him, but a little bit behind him. God doesn't say, what's up, Jesus? I love you, my son, of who I am well pleased. Who's this guy? He might if we don't believe in him, but if we know him. 
Jesus over and over and over, as it says right here in John 16, that we are his fellow heirs. We are his fellow heirs. We, are, we have the righteousness. We, are, we have the power because of our belief, because of our faith, that we can become the sons and daughters of God. When he sees us, he's like, my boys, my kids, my children, they're here. He sees the righteousness and holiness of Christ. The perfect and spotless lamb who lived a perfect life and took all of the sins of you and the world and everyone who's ever lived and every sin that could ever be committed and he took it on his shoulder and he was murdered. Murdered and slaughtered for you and me. God the Father knows this. God the Father and the anguish of when he turned his back that was the worst part of the cross for Jesus. Was when he said, my God, Abba, Abba, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? Why, why do I feel so empty and alone? The night before when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, why did Jesus sweat blood? Why was he so consumed with this anguish? I think, yes, he knew he was about to get slaughtered. I think he knew, yes, all of his earthly friends were about to leave him. I think he knew, yes, 33 years of life about to end. I think he knew, yes, all of that. But I think the biggest thing is he knew that for all of eternity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were together all the time. All the time in presence of one another. And that relationship is so close and so intimate. And they constantly said the most intimate thing they could ever say to one another, which is, I hear you, Father. I hear you, Son. I hear you, Spirit. I hear you, Father. I hear you, Son. I hear you, Spirit. But in that moment, Jesus is saying, Abba, Father, why have you left me? in silence. The power of silence. Jesus <clears throat> heard nothing back. Many died alone, owning every sin, every murder, every lie, every lust, every pedophile. Every sick and twisted thing you can think of, he owned it. For you and for me. So that he could, he owned that silence. So he could open up communication conduit of communication with us and a holy God and nothing else 
could clog that tube ever again. Faith, belief is what connects that. Faith in what Jesus, if you believe what I just said about Jesus, you can be saved and you are saved. He rose from the dead. He ascended to the Father. He sent his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is indwelling in each side of each one of us as believers. And right now he's talking to you through his word, through his mind's eye, through your pastor. And he's telling you, I hear you. I want to hear you. And he's saying loud and clear the most intimate thing he could ever say is, I want you to hear me. Communication can be really powerful, but so can the power of silence. Prayer this morning when we started um, at 7 a.m. and many of you gathered and we came and we prayed and we split up and sometimes in in exercises like that, there's... um, and, and at times there's, it's good to have a lot of instruction, but sometimes, sometimes silence is golden. Because that silence between you and a holy God should never be anymore. The power of silence has been abolished through Jesus Christ. He hears you and you hear him. You have the power to not just become the son of God or daughter of God, but you can now hear the voice of God through those ways. That most intimate thing that you could ever say, I hear you. As you begin your 21 days of prayer, I really, I hope that it's a challenge to you. I hope that that it is... um, helpful to you. I hope that your spirit is awakened. I hope that, that, that you stress yourself in regards to times of prayer and fasting and the devotional book. And I hope that you're here. Um, but I also need you to know that it's okay to just be completely embrace the silence with God and just wait to hear Wait to hear his voice through his word. Wait to hear his voice through your mind's eye. Wait to hear his voice through others. And just wait. Be patient. I think that sometimes, I want to close with this. Um, we're, uh, <laughs> sometimes when we're at church, um, sometimes when we're at church or we talk about spiritual things, especially things like the 21 days, uh, there's this temptation to be really, really, really spiritual. Amen, brother? Right? And like, we do like really spiritual stuff here, right? And um, yeah. Bet you my father could beat your father in dominoes. You heard that one? No? 
No speed? Okay. Sometimes I feel that God is, is like, okay, 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 okay. I'm not just in this room. And I'm not just listening when you do this. And I'm not just hearing your worship isn't just when those, all those awesome people are up here and there's music going and you're singing. Worship is every part of your life. And like God wants to see all these other areas in our life, even in regards to prayer. If prayer is communication, what is our life communicating? What are the other parts of our life that aren't as spiritual communicating to him? What about our, what about our, our relationships? What are those communicating to God? And what is God communicating to us in regards to those relationships? What about our bodies? What is our body communicating to God? And what is God communicating to us about our body? What is, what is God communicating to us about our finances? And what are our finances communicating to God in regards to our finances, and on and on and on and on. And, and this, is, this is how I want to practically end. I think at times when you say prayer, we, we automatically in our minds, we, we, like, we, we compartmentalize this moment where we close our eyes and we like talk. And we say amen, we're done, right? Or like in my house, it's like you, the thing you do right before a meal because we're really hungry and depending on how hungry you are, you pick a certain kid to pray because they pray faster. Okay, y'all are way more spiritual than me. Don't judge me, all right? Um, I think that there are times that God is not just, like, I don't want you to put God in the spiritual, just the spiritual box. I want God, you, God to challenge you in these 21 days in your whole life. Like this holistic approach to all of your life. Um. There is a, <laughs> there's this period of time where, oh, I'll end this way. There's a story, I, I'll read this story to you. It's a really short story. Listen to it if you would. Um, this story uh, written by, uh, Justin McRoberts, it's called Sacred Ant Acids. It says, <laughs> a young man came to his priest. He says, I feel like something is terribly wrong in my spirit. Please help me, priest. The priest replied, can you describe the feeling? He says, it happens every night, the young man said. I lie down and I begin thinking over my day. When a terrible feeling comes over me, a burning in my heart, like the burning the disciples felt when meeting Jesus on the road to Emmaus. But when I feel it, it feels like something is wrong. It, it's more like a pain. It's as if God is trying to tell me something. Please help me, priest. What does this mean? The priest bent forward from his chair, reaching into his satchel. The young man, thinking the priest was climbing out of his chair to kneel to the ground and pray, the young man slid out of his chair onto the floor, bowing his head and extending his hands, palms up to receive the priest's blessing. But instead, 
of offering a prayer, the priest laid a single antacid in the young man's open hands and said, you have got heartburn, son. Don't, he says, don't get me wrong. I do regularly pray. And sometimes I'm praying about discomfort. But sometimes, listen, sometimes I just need an antacid. Sometimes I just need to eat better. Sometimes I need to sleep more. Sometimes I need to see a professional therapist. Sometimes I need to change the shoes that I'm running in. And if I think of all of these spiritual matters, in the past I might have suggested that therapy, exercise, and medicine were unspiritual things, as opposed to prayer and fasting and meditation. Nowadays, I wonder if it is unspiritual to consider one aspect of my life spiritual, leaving all those other aspects of my self-partioned off. I wonder if thinking spiritually means seeing my whole life emotional, physiological, psychological, religious, economical, social, and familial as singular, as if my creator is concerned with every inch and aspect of my whole self. I don't believe it is all unspiritual, much less unchristian, to see a therapist or take an antacid. I do think, on the other hand, that it is distinctively unchristian to separate the physical or financial parts of my life from my spiritual life. God, whose greatest revelation of himself was to become fully human, had great concern with all of me. He goes on to talk about how there's this, speaking of the power of silence, you have Genesis, you have Exodus, you have Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, on and on and on and on to Malachi, the Old Testament, right? So much happens there. God is present and active and he speaks and he moves and he parts waters and he speaks and he brings kings and he raises up leaders and he heals and he stops the sun and he sends rain and he, he, like, he sets up a nation called Israel and he protects them and he gets them to a land of promise and then they, they, they're sent kings and, and God sends judges for them and they're brought to this place and before that he brings a law to help them bring order to life and they can't make sense of it all and so ultimately they have this like promised messiah that's supposed to come like way 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 down the road that they have to believe in faith in and like this whole process of of God speaking through and then like the end of the old testament there's these prophets several of them over and over and over communicating kind of the same thing repent come to God he's gracious he'll forgive you but the coming king or the coming Messiah is coming. Blah, 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 blah. That's kind of the, the message. And then at the end of the Old Testament, God had not stopped communicating. At the end of the Old Testament, silence. For 400 years. 
And then the next scene in the New Testament is Jesus. Jesus is born. Glorious, Merry Christmas, right? Beautiful time. And then there's this one story. There's this one story of Jesus as a child. One story where like Mary and Joseph lost their kid. I think that's just to like encourage all the parents that like, it's okay. You've lost your kid. It's okay. Maybe that's, maybe that's the reason. But outside of that, at the end of the book of John, John says something in regards to like, if we had all the books in the world, they couldn't be filled with all the stuff that Jesus did. But the book that we're actually given, there's not a whole lot. Specifically, Jesus' ministry started when he was 30. And he died when he was 33. So essentially, for 30 years, listen, 30 years, what did Jesus do? Hear hear my heart on this. I'm not trying to belittle the life of Jesus for those 30 years, because believe me, I think there was some pretty God-with-skin kind of moments daily. But I also want you to hear me on this part. Somewhere along the line, Jesus was born, he had siblings, he had a dad that maybe somehow along the way left or died, he had friends, he got betrayed, he got a job, he had a career, he ate food. Those first 30 years of his life that the Bible doesn't speak much of should be an encouragement to us where it's not necessarily silence but it should be an encouragement to us that there's more to just in our relationship with God and regarding our communication with God and God's communication with us it's not just this little box where we just kneel and we put our hands together and we pray God is in every single part of our life every bite that we eat whether we eat or drink, we do all to the glory of God. Every relationship we have, every text that's sent, every image that's seen, every dollar that's spent, every intention and desire of our heart, those things that may never be recorded and reported on your life, those are just as important in your relationship, and your communication to God. So I want to end on that practical challenge that nothing you do is unspiritual. If you work, and you can't come and pray during the sevens and sevens, or you can't, I, I, okay, you're, we still love you, all right? And God does too. But you need to know that every single part of your life, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it to God's glory and let that be a communication between God and you that he has broke that silence and he has created a very clear conduit between a holy God and you would you stand with me Um, if you need to uh, pray, uh, I want to invite you to.
down to the altar and pray. You can pray on your own. You can come find one of us after the service. You can come grab one of us now. Either one. I want this to be a place for you to pray. Um, would you just bow your head and close your eyes for a moment? Would you pray this prayer? God, today, what are you saying to me now? What are you trying to communicate to me today? God, I don't know, maybe I don't even know what to say, God, but I do want to say this to you, loud and clear, and I mean this from the most intimate place in my heart, in the most intimate way. God, I hear you. Word, my ears are open, my life is open, my heart is raw. You are so good to me. And then the reality that I can be forgiven, and that I never have to have the silent treatment from you. That if I have felt it before, God, I I recognize now that you're not limited to just talking to my ears. May my eyes be open to all the ways that you speak to me. And if I really want to hear from you, I'm going to open your word. If I really want to hear from you, I'm going to open my mind's eyes to see what you're trying to communicate. I'm going to, I'm going to embrace the silence. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to the godly leaders of my life, the gospel community in my life, and what they may be communicating. God, we love you. We praise you for all you are. We thank you for all you've done. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you for communicating your love to us through your word through the cross and what you sent your son to do. Thank you for the silence, Jesus, that you embraced between you and your Father so that we can never, ever have to feel what that looks or feels like. To be cut off. Thank you. Holy Spirit, show us your way, show us the truth, Continually guide us. Continually fill us and give us the power that we need to not just live a life according to your word, according, according to your will, but a life of power. A life on mission. And Jesus, we just love you and we thank you.